Welcome back. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you. Thank you and praise you for who you are and all that you've done for us. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us today in these days of prayerful and expectant waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the deeper release and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord our God, give us the grace to enter into a novena of days leading up to Pentecost Sunday. Lord, we pray that you would unbind and set free anything that is in the way of us experiencing a deeper release of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord our God, that you would uh, give us a a, a true and deep anointing with your Holy Spirit that we would become like a burning bush, a burning bush of the definitive theophany. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's dive into the interview with Sister Eucharista. Well, I want to welcome to the program, Sister Mary Eucharista. I, I love what uh, just happened. I just said, let's get going. You said, let's do it. That Sister, that's so awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> that, that's the best way to start. And I was like, I was I was praying. I was saying, Lord, you know, what am I going to talk about uh, on the on the program tomorrow? What, what I, I know I've been talking about. It's this time of novena to the Holy Spirit. It's time to focus on the the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and then you text me, sister. You text me. Come on. And you're like, well, hey, hey, I got I, I got an I got an angel telling me that we need to talk about Pentecost. What do you think? And I'm like, let's go, or in your words, let's <laughs> do it. Uh, tell me that story again. I, I love that what you were sharing about. You have no idea how famous you are, sister. Well, I'm actually not famous, but my husband, Jesus, is really famous. <laughs> and my friend, Linda, came back to the church because of this program. And she says, uh, well, we were in conversation for many years and she's been really kind of just, you know, I, as age comes up on us and we begin to kind of go back to our roots. She was born Catholic. She was raised Catholic. And then she actually became a sister of mercy uh, for a number of years. And then she left uh, because she did not have a vocation, but she really thought about it for many years. In fact, when we became godparents of the same uh, child who actually ended up in our school, but the pastor who was also the pr principal didn't know anyone who knew this boy, but I knew the foster parents. I was able to actually be the godparent for this boy and um, for baptism. And uh, his cousin, this woman, Linda, was able to actually... Um, come back and and be the godmother at the request of his mom who said uh we need to have this person who is my cousin who i want to be the godmother of my my son so uh anyway this uh wonderful person came back into the church um around easter time and it was because of this program and also because of the the, the holy spirit inspiring her as she continued to kind of seek out where is God now for me? And she started out in a Protestant denomination and then this led her back into the Catholic church. And it's uh, it's really, really a blessing. I mean, she's in, in Oregon. So you never know where the Holy Spirit will splash his love 
and uh, welcome back those who he has been longing to see for many, many years. So I thank you for that, Tom. Thank you for providing this opportunity for evangelization. Thank you for letting the Holy Spirit reach out through the, the waves of our Catholic media today. And, you know, people talk about technology and how dangerous it is. It is dangerous, but it's also very, very helpful. And if we can use it well, we really do do honor to our creator and Lord. Amen. It was so encouraging when you mentioned that to me, sister, that uh, uh, a woman had encountered you on video. You're like, wait a minute, you mean on the radio? And he said, no, 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 on My Catholic Faith TV, which is the, that's our YouTube channel is My Catholic Faith TV. And we have um, like what's called long form video. So long form video is like our whole interview. But then I've got a couple of really like uh, very professional editors and they will find like chunks of the interview and they'll like load those. And then we have what are called video shorts. Do you know what a video short is? I think so. Yeah. So it's a video that lasts up to one minute. And so it's done in a like phone framed format, right? So a portrait rather than landscape. And uh, there are several of you sister oh really i need to do we more have reading. several video shorts of you and one of them is mary is a cool mom oh, and that one that is. one was quite popular and what, what uh my producers did was they edited out that answer where you were talking about having this relationship with the blessed mother and um and you used that phrase and they were able to capture that in that segment and they created a little video short out of it and so oh. Uh, I love it. It's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people, they're not going to like listen for an hour on the radio no. or watch mm. on the on a, 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 an interview for an hour. But, you know, a like a, a an interesting like reflection and you give a lot of them or a, a poignant point mm. that is hard hitting or like engaging uh People will stick around for that. And so we've tried to follow those trends and figure out the um, appropriate, effective ways to get the word out, to evangelize, right? To be to, to the light of the world. Oh, so. what a blessing. That is so wonderful. I myself, I, I, I look at something that has a long time on it and I think, no, I don't have time for that. Even though I would want to. Our time is really, really golden, and it's not something that we can spend, really. And I'm so grateful that if there's anything that I can put in a short, that's what I want to do. Yeah, Thanks amen to that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Sister Mary Eucharista, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to hear some Holy Spirit stories and Holy Spirit insights. So I'm going to toss a couple out your way and uh, let that kind of percolate a bit. So I, when I think about uh, like favorite story of the Holy Spirit, favorite gift of the Holy Spirit, is there a moment where you sensed the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life or moving in a group, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Is there a saint of the Holy Spirit that you look to? Those are all like on the menu. All right. Those are all on the menu. Uh, and so, or even here's a, Here's a provocative one. Uh, have you ever 
considered or reflected on or uh, thought about the idea of having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Ooh. It's, only, it's only my life. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I gave you like seven entry points there, sister. So sure I'm going to let my, you. My mind is going, what? <laughs> Oh, this is so great. what do you want to begin with? Which one do you want to start with? I would like to start with my preparation for confirmation, which enlivened me to the life of the Holy Trinity. We had to do several uh, paragraphs on a variety of things when we were like sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. And I just remember when I started, my mom gave me permission and my brother gave me permission to work in I shared a room with my little sister who was seven years younger than me. So I got a chance to work on my confirmation work in my brother's room. He had his own room and it had, he had a desk that was built into the wall and I was facing the wall. And I realized that's sometimes my favorite kind of position where I have no distractions around me and I can just be in my head and understand whatever is going on. So I'm looking at all of this writing on the Holy Trinity. And at that time, we had no Google. We had no internet. We had nothing, zero electronic help. And so we had a series of Catholic encyclopedias, and I was opening them and trying to understand the Holy Trinity. Now, I had seen the video on St. Joseph of Cupertino, which is called the reluctant saint and i remember the him explaining to the archbishop you know uh, after this long-winded thing going on from the pulpit in the dinatory which where the refectory where all the priests and brothers were and uh the archbishop said to um uh to saint joseph cupertino in the movie I, I do not understand this stuff. Uh, all of it is so complicated. No, no, I need something very simple, something good, something easy. And Joseph of Cupertino says, well, you have one blanket. They're out by the stable with a fire. One blanket and three folds. One blanket, three folds. One God, three persons, and he's going, yes, 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 yes. Actually, that is brilliant. And so I just was, I had already, you know, kind of seen this is too complex. Our little minds cannot comprehend the infinite. But for some reason, God reached into me at that point, probably an 11 or 12 year old. And I felt love from the Holy Trinity. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is confirmation. This It's supposed to be with the Holy Spirit, but I'm feeling the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm feeling the Holy Trinity in this. And as I understood that, and I was a random kid, very, very global, no focus whatsoever. And I look back on this and I think this is a kind of semi-miracle that I was able to actually feel the love of the Holy Trinity when I was a child, a, a preteen. And I look at that and think, this was not a human endeavor. This was a God reach out to me. And that's when I first started feeling that there's something more um, than 
just this Catholic faith and just doing the things, the checkoff list that we all think of. I had already experienced spiritual communion and which again translated over to Holy Communion, which was the Eucharist, which I realized, wow, this is very big. This is so big. In fact, the mass is so big. It's like huge. And then now we've got the Holy Trinity. It's like, oh, my poor little brain. How am I going to understand all this stuff? But it's just like too much. It's a lot. This is great. And I remember kind of sneaking some questions at some of my friends and they're like, yeah, I think I passed. And I'm like, no, but I mean like the Holy Trinity. And they're like, yeah, like I said, I think I passed. And I'm like, I don't even care about that right now. It's just like, this is like big. This is, this is a reach out from the almighty that touched my heart. And I was just like, kind of alone in that and not, I mean, I'm sure others felt it, but I don't know. No one ever talked to me about it, but the Holy Spirit reached out to me. So I know that when I became a sister that autumn, there was an old feast on the calendar called the Feast of the Holy Spirit. I can't find it now to save my life, but it was there in September and we were making our annual retreat. And it was the first year I ever made an annual retreat. And so I'm kneeling there in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I just realized, oh my goodness, out of that incredible understanding of the Holy Trinity that I got when I was 11, 12, 13, I realize now the Holy Spirit just reaches out to me. And I felt such a fondness for the Holy Spirit that when I became Sister Mary Eucharista, one of my friends, we had 18 novices who all got their names that night. And one of them was Sister Paracleta Marie. And I was like, you lucky. I can't believe you got Paracleta. How did you do that? She says, I don't know. I don't know. I just put it down. It was my first choice. I said, but why did you even think about that? That is so wonderful. And she said, I don't know. And anyway, two years later, of course, she she discerned out she didn't have a religious vocation. She's now married with children. But it was just such a beautiful moment. That was my first deep connection with the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to, I hope that this isn't going too long. But when I was, you asked, so here goes. When I was a teenager, I read this great book and it's out there, Tom. It's out there. It's called The Holy Ghost, My Greatest Friend. That is the biggest igniter of Holy Spirit joy I can even imagine. So if you haven't read it, read it. It's awesome. The so Friend Who Loves Us Best. It's called The Holy Ghost, Our Greatest Friend by EDM or Father Paul Sullivan, OP. He's a, he's a Dominican. And this guy wrote so many great books, but it's at the end of that title, The Holy Ghost, Our Greatest Friend, it says, He Who Loves Us Best. Isn't that great? Nice. I love that. That is so awesome. I'm, I, uh, I'm looking up the book now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever read this one. It's uh, so cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to add this one to the list. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add Wahoo. this one to the list. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com.
drtomcurran.com. Folks, you're listening to System or Eucharista talk today, and the encounter you had with the living God that was overwhelming, uh, was like intimate yet profound. Yeah. Uh, I thought of a story. I've tried to find it, like a record of it, but someone told me the story of Father, uh, a Dominican priest, Father Rene Garagula Grange. Oh, I love him. Okay, so he taught at the Angelicum and in the, like, it was sometime, I think in the late 50s, he uh, stepped to the podium to give a lecture and he arrived at the podium, he looked at everyone, he started to read and he said, God. And then he just froze. And he didn't say another word. He just was just in this like place of like frozen awe, wonder, astonishment. And then he walked away from the podium. That was it. That was a, that was, there was no lecture. It was, he said the word God and it it makes me think of um, another book. Now I'm not recommending this one to sort of any old person. It's called the idea of the Holy by Rudolf Otto. And he there attempts to define the experience of divinity what happens when you encounter the realm of the divine or the holy? And he identifies the encounter with the with the holy as a mysterium tremendum et fascinosum. Now, that's a, a mystery that is tremendous, tremendum, but overwhelming and yet fascinosum. It is it is utterly attractive. So simultaneously, there's this encounter. It's not just a concept. It's the encounter with the living God that is both overwhelming in his bigness and yet intimately attractive and drawing us in to nearness. So... I, you made me think of the, uh, of those two, uh, those two, the, the story of Father Garaguru Lagrange and the definition uh, from the idea of the holy by Rudolf Otto. My, my goodness, this is so beautiful. Do you know, well, you know, right, that Garaguru Lagrange was uh, Pope St. John Paul II's uh, director of his doctoral thesis or d- dissertation. So yeah. uh, truly, and also this reminds me, his experience that I have heard also, it's it's like, it's something almost, almost a paralysis, but at the same time, a paralysis of mystical depth, but also maybe being so enamored that something else takes over. And it's like, have you ever just felt completely limp? You have no power. It's just like, nope. It's not going to happen. Here it is, Jesus. And well, you, you know who talks about that is um, St. John of the Cross, right? So he says, and this is like in our tradition, right? This is not, I'm not teaching you anything, sister, but the idea is that you encounter the bigness of God, not by going out into the world, but by being drawn within yourself. The wow. interior is bigger than the exterior. If you go outwardly, you can go far. 
if you go inwardly, you can transcend or go beyond. You can't go beyond the world by going further out into the world. You can only get beyond the world through the dimension of spirit. And the dimension of spirit is by going within the core of our being to that place where we are spirit and we encounter the one who is more within us than our own I. That's Augustine right? More interior to me than my own eye is the Holy Spirit of God. And so when we are drawn inward, there's a breakthrough to go beyond, right? And so uh, John of the Cross says that as we are drawn inward in contemplative prayer, the body will tend to freeze. There's a, a freezing of the body and in, in such a way that the and then there's a quieting of the mind, the imagination, the memory into the interior stillness where there's a, an awaiting for the revelation of God that is given as a gift in the intimacy of, of contemplative prayer. Right. So that's uh, how John of the Cross describes it, the existential experience of the freezing of the body. And it, it makes sense to me when I see all these pictures of of you know, cloistered religious sisters and brothers and priests where they're sitting, feet on the floor, hands on their on their legs or hands folded across um, their um, uh, across their legs. And and they're just sitting still. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. In fact, St. Teresa was oftentimes St. Dominic Savio was in ecstasy and he would freeze. He would just be a complete heavy statue staring at the blessed sacrament. And one time he had his hand on his heart and the boys were very concerned. They went to Don Bosco and said, uh, something's wrong with Dominic. So they went, he went back and he said, no, no, boys don't disturb him. He tried to move him. He was immovable as stone. He was so heavy, several men tried to move him. He, they could not move him. Uh, similar thing is St. Bernadette, St. Teresa of Avila. This is a phenomenon called ecstasy, which is not the world's view of ecstasy. It is ecstatic union with God, which surpasses its, uh, we've got the purgative stage, the illuminative stage, and then the unitive stage, which that is like a, it's it's accessible to all of us. That's why the in Vatican Council too, they used Gerlou Lagrange's work on the universal call to holiness, and this call to union with God is open to everyone. This universal call to holiness. It's yes, not just priests, not just religious, lay people. Everyone is called to union with God. We all traverse those areas if we're striving for sanctity we are called you know it, we have are in the purgative stage as a starting point and then the illuminative stage is the middle point where we experience virtue but also we're still falling back into the purgative stage where we go into you know our normal sins and things and then we advance onto the unitive stage and sometimes we can find ourselves back in the purgative stage again or the unitive stage will imitate some of the more spiritualized areas of the vices and virtues of 
the purgative stage, but it will be on a higher level. So we're always kind of traversing those three areas and our approach to sanctity. But the unitive stage is typically the stage where ecstasy takes place and there's phenomena that occurs here. And it's really profound, but it is an ecstatic union with the Holy Trinity where it's almost like indescribable. And as St. Teresa mentioned, St. Teresa of Avila, um, a seraph came and pierced her heart with an arrow from God and she collapsed, but her, the, she said the pain was exquisite, but the, I mean, exquisite agony, but it was also the most intimate and incredible ecstasy at the same time. So uh, a, a really interesting study of the unitive stage, which many saints have traversed, but we hope to achieve before eternal uh, life occurs, which is just crossing the threshold from this life, which should be heaven, as we are attaining sanctity, which is the sanctifier is the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we don't get there. The Holy Spirit is alive in the lives of those saints. Only the Holy Spirit can bring us to the unitive stage through the illuminative stage from the purgative stage. That's beautiful. It's Sister Mary Eucharista joining me today on the program, and we're talking about Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. And Sister, you've been offering some beautiful reflections about the unitive stage, the you know the height of the uh, the the spiritual journey, the 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 way that we are called upon to traverse. And I I, um, I love that in that stage, that's where most transformation occurs, right? It's referred there. There's this transformative union, and there's a way in which um, I think that a lot of deep healing, a lot of deep unbinding, disentangling, a lot of um, of flowering occurs in that transformative union that um, John of the Cross uh, writes quite a bit about in his treatise called The Living Flame of Love. So we're, we're now down to the Holy Spirit as this fire of God that transforms. So, so sister, here we are between the father and the son. Amen. Okay. So sister, you're going to help us here because uh, we've got a whole bunch of folks listening and watching, and we're in this time between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday and this time of novena where there's expectant waiting and prayer for the coming of the spirit. What does that have to do with the lives of most of those folks who are connecting in with our interview right now, who are already baptized, already confirmed, and they might look at Sunday's feast as just, oh, the next one on the liturgical calendar. And so how can we access and not miss out on what the Lord has for us in these days of prayerful, expectant waiting, and anticipation for the gift of Pentecost. Well, Tom, this is the most wonderful thing we could ever do, and that is to join in the liturgy where anamnesis recreates, it's like the exact moment. If, if we sometimes have thought, oh, I wish I could have been there at Pentecost. Mary, mother of the church, was there. Ding! Anyway, um, all the apostles, tongues of fire on the disciples and apostles' heads. 
and we they they began to speak in different tongues and they went out and talked they were so animated people thought they were drunk and this is happening at the liturgy on pentecost and this is the uh it's happening now this is the thing that when god created after uh after the redemption where the passion took place and the resurrection now the ability to go back and forth in time is this incredible anamnesis that occurs in the liturgy the liturgy is something of heaven we do not create liturgy on earth this liturgy comes from heaven and it is the liturgy of heaven and so in preparation for this every mass we attend is this profound and incredible moment of all of these mysteries combined but especially the mystery of that day, which is the readings. That's why Lexio Divina is so important. In other words, reading the readings before the Mass, uh, meditating on those readings. In other words, thinking like, oh, wow, I, I remember when this happened, or uh, that reminds me of this mystery of the, when the Holy Spirit did thus and so, or whatever. Um, this is, uh, then, then we go to prayer, oh, Lord, Please enlighten my heart and let me feel this uh, beauty in your life that you have given to me right now. And then contemplation to rest in the word and let that just penetrate our hearts and let God speak to me. Let me be silent in the face of the living God and let him work and speak to me. But very especially, um, everyone who is baptized has the infused gifts of the Holy Spirit that are sitting latent in that soul. And then at confirmation, this is why confirmation is so important. If you have not been confirmed, to become confirmed, go to your parish priest, find out when you can be confirmed. Confirmation is vital for the Christian soul. And then in that confirmation, that is when the, the bishop typically or the priest with permission can uh, confirm you, but that's where the Holy Spirit comes and activates those gifts. Um, what happens is we have the infusion of faith, hope, charity, and then as a result, uh, also the cardinal virtues of uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, that are connected to every possible virtue out there. Those are infused into our souls, and it gives us kind of a leg up on inspiring the world and speaking the word to the world. And then we also, though, have something very different. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. It's really important to look at what these gifts are. Look up online, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You will get a Catholic site that explains those gifts. Those gifts, once they are activated, become uh, are not no longer latent in your soul. They are now activated. I remember when I was confirmed, um, I had I was riding my bike out on a country road, and this guy stopped and he said, "Hey," and I was like, "Who's this dude?" He was in a well. I was admiring it. It was a nineteen. Uh, let's see. I think it must have been a nineteen seventy six or seventy eight Camaro, and it was bright red. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in love with that car." But this guy. 
I was not in love with because he said, you know, uh, so what's going on with you? I said, I don't know. Um, I want a horse. And he said, well, you're riding a bike. And I said, yeah, but you're riding a Camaro. That's pretty cool. He said, so what's on your mind? And I'm like, who is this dude? And who is this? Is it like somebody just that just came up the road and he doesn't know who I am? And he said, um, so I'll bet you would die for your faith, wouldn't you? I had a crucifix on my around my neck. And he, I said, yes, I would. He said, you would die for your faith. Wow. And he looked at his wife and she looked back and they both kind of shrugged. And he drove on and I was like, yes, I would. I would die for my faith. Shoot me now. I'll be a saint. And I was like, you know, just in my mind saying this, but I was like, what is that guy? I never saw him drive back because he had to come to a dead end and then turn around. And I know he wasn't connected to anybody, but it was like this weird, but yet beautiful knowledge that I had. Yes, I would die for my faith. I would die for this guy. And he died for me. I'd die for him. Sure I would. But a 13 year old kid, when do you get that? That's confirmation action. And I was full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was generous and kind to me and came to me in the sacrament, which he does for everyone who receives the sacrament of confirmation. And that's a really important sacrament. That's where the Holy Spirit comes to us, pure and full and with gusto. Amen to that. Uh, one of the things that I love to do is pray for a deeper release of the gifts and graces given to me in baptism, but also in confirmation so that they wouldn't be latent in the word that you used. Uh, you know, St. Paul talks in First Timothy about, you know, pray that the gifts given to you when we laid hands on you would be stirred into flame. And that's what I want. I want those gifts to be stirred into flame, you know, that we'd be fired up, right, to be able to live our faith today. And honestly, it takes a fired up faith to not just not just survive, right? Not just to get by, but to expand, to go forth. And I think that we should not miss out on the gift of this time that we're in leading up to Pentecost to be able to do that. Is there a particular devotion that you have, sister, or a way of expressing a devotion to the Holy Spirit in particular? Like whether it's um, through the spouse of the Holy Spirit, our Blessed Mother, or through a saint, or through a devotional practice, a litany, or a special prayer. There are so many. Again, I'm going, Ooh, it's so many different things. But mostly I will say Mary, spouse of the Holy Spirit, St. Louis de Montfort, who, by the way, also had one of those very interesting experiences of holding up a crucifix. He came to give a lecture. The entire church was packed and he holds up a crucifix and everyone starts crying. And uh, just and and he 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 was a verbose guy. He could speak about anything. The Lord told him to be quiet and hold him hold the Lord up. And he did. And everyone just the church melted. It was a mission. He was hired basically to come in and do this thing and he just knew the holy spirit wanted him to hold up crucifix so the holy spirit was alive in that church and the holy spirit does the work it's never the worker that does the work no matter how popular how important how uh famous this person could be the holy spirit is doing the work and that's why no one no earthly person could ever claim 
the power that the Holy Spirit has. But yes, I would say that Mary, um, St. Louis de Montfort, the same guy says that um, the more you have Mary in his soul, the more the Holy Spirit flies there because Mary is the faithful spouse of the Holy Spirit. So that's really important to honor and love Mary, the chosen one of the of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit chose her. And St. Gabriel himself said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The, no, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One to be born of you will be the Son of the Most High. Um, and this is, this is the Holy Trinity. Wherever you have the Father, you have the Son. Wherever you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit. Wherever you have the Father and the Son, you have the Holy Spirit. Wherever you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Father and the Son. They're inseparable. You can't move them from each other because it's all love. And we can't understand it because as you came very close to saying, Augustine is so eloquent about this, wherever um, that, that, that God is closer to us than we are to ourselves, that closeness, what do you think of with closeness? I think of an embrace, but that is an out exterior thing. God is embracing us from within ourselves and we don't even know it, but when we get to know him, we feel it and it becomes something so profound and so beautiful. We, this is, this is the horror of hell. We will never have this. If we go to hell, we will never have the inner embrace of the Holy Trinity who loves us so much and is constantly reaching out to us to extend that love and to bring us gifts. But the power in the Holy spirit that the soul experiences is even if we're not conscious of it, this is a power of abundance of gifts, charisms, all kinds of things. God always gives. Whenever we have a temptation to think God is going to take something away from me, that is the devil. That is not God. That is not the spirit or the voice of God. God is always there to give us gifts. God is abundant. God will always be profoundly giving and abundant. And that's the joy of the Holy Spirit. I have so much more to say, but. So what would be your final word of encouragement? I think it's important for us every time we say the glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, that we slow down with the words, the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit is constantly, first of all, he's the sanctifier. He's giving to us. He's filling us up. He's just always reaching out to us. We have a chance to receive that. And every time we say that the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Son. You can't go wrong with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's Sister Mary Eucharista joining me today for the program. Sister, I really appreciate you taking the time that you did today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Tom. Thank you. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you. Wasn't that a great interview? Great to be with you. Great interview. <laughs> I got to learn some new adjectives. That was a wonderful interview. Wonderful. Full of wonder. And I, I love the spirit that Sister Mary Eucharista brings to the program. Uh, today, I, at the beginning of the program, said that I would share with you a story about a saint. I, I referenced... I actually referred to it yesterday in my interview um, with uh, Kevin uh, um, 
uh, Monetti, and it was about Saint Seraphim of Saroff. Saint Seraphim of Saroff, he he is um, he he is one of the I guess favorite saints of the Russian Orthodox Church. Lived in the 1800s, into the 1800s, and uh, had a reputation for holiness, a great, great reputation for holiness. And if you read about his life, you'd encounter some pretty like stunning like, acts of penance that were uh, part of his life and part of his vigiling. Uh, for instance, he, for many years, he was living in a cloistered monastery, but that wasn't uh, that wasn't separate enough to be completely devoted to the Lord. So he ended up living on a hermitage uh, on the property in uh, and there in um, in Russia, and he uh, so he lived he lived by himself for a number of years, and for a number of years never talked to anyone, but still his reputation for holiness grew and. I don't know quite how they found out, but he would spend uh, hours at night vigiling, kneeling on a rock <laughs> and in prayer, crying out to the Lord. Well, I was introduced to him way, way, way back in the uh, early 80s. It was probably the 84, 85, so almost 40 years ago. And I have prayed and asked for his intercession for me, in particular because of an icon that I was given. It was, it was sort of a printed icon. It wasn't like on a piece of wood or anything, uh, but a printed icon. Uh, and I can remember so many times in prayer just looking into his eyes, and he was like holding a, a sign that said, Acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand souls will be saved around you. Acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand souls will be saved around you. And it that beautifully expresses this truth that when God is alive in us, when we are in union with God as a result of baptism and confirmation, uh, God dwells within us. The Holy Spirit of the living God makes the entire Trinity present within us. And that radiates forth from our lives in such a way that people will experience peace just when we show up, not because we're there, but because we're in a living, vibrant, vital union with the living God, a God who is a God of peace, of order, a God of tranquility, because he keeps things in order. He provides and protects and leads. He provides that covering of being in his kingdom. And so when we show up, we, we can manifest on the inside the transformative and profound union that exists within us of the living God. So here's the story, though, the story that I discovered when I read more about his life, and it was an account written by one of his disciples. And so um, he would provide a, a kind of spiritual direction, right? And so one winter day, he's in the woods with this disciple, and the disciple is asking him questions about the Holy Spirit. And they're chopping down wood, and you know, he's swinging an axe, and, and the disciple's asking questions. And the question comes around, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is alive in you. How do you know? And so uh, St. Seraphim of Saraf gives a, a long, theological, beautifully spiritual, profound answer. 
a lot of the, he, he conveys a tremendous amount of content. It's a long answer. And at the end of this long, beautiful, profound answer, the disciple says in so many words, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, like, thank you for sharing all of that, but I, I, I can't really get what you're saying. How do you know that the Holy Spirit is alive in you? How am I supposed to know that the Spirit of the living God is alive in me? And he gives another answer, and and, the, and you, you know what's going to happen, right? The answer comes back a second time. I, I still don't get it. So a little bit exasperated, St. Seraphim like, puts down his axe. It's Again, it's snowing out, and he turns to this disciple and, and like kind of grabs him by the shoulders and says, look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. And so uh, Seraphim, you know, kind of grabs his gaze, right? He looks into the, the disciple looks into Seraphim's eyes. And the disciple goes on to, to tell the story of looking into Seraphim's eyes all of a sudden, he begins to see in, in the depths of the eyes and in the, in the like the, the the deep recesses of the eyes, this flame, this flame, he he recognizes, and then this flame begins to grow in the back of his eyes, and and it gets bigger and bigger, and, and this flame becomes more and more intense, more and more extensive. It 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 extends and broadens, and and. It becomes so much that the radiance, the the glory, the the fire of the Holy Spirit just grows in his eyes, grows in his presence, grows and radiates forth from him, and it overwhelms the disciple. It just overwhelms him. And he breaks away, just breaks away and stands back. And Seraphim says, now do you know <laughs> how you know that the Holy Spirit is alive in you? And, you know, it's that, uh, it's that sort of famous, uh, it's kind of a turn on St. Catherine of Siena's famous uh, saying, become who you're meant to be, uh, become who God intends you to be, and you'll set the world on fire. Um, how about, let's just kind of reverse it. Become fire, and the world will become what it's meant to be. Become that fire of the Holy Spirit. There was a phrase I used at the beginning of the program. I said, become a burning bush of the definitive theophany. How's that for highfalutin language? It's actually from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I believe it's quoting St. Anselm. It's referring to the Blessed Mother. But remember now, the Blessed Mother is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And so she experienced, greater than any saint in all of history, this intimate union with the Holy Spirit, the fire of God within the core of her being. And, and she is referred to as the, the burning bush of the definitive theophany. Theophany is a manifestation of God uh, and a manifestation of God in the Old Testament is the burning bush. So that would be the burning bush as a theophany of God as what? As this consuming fire, this fire that consumed the bush without destroying it. 
And it was that fire, the presence of God as this consuming fire, the Shekinah glory of God manifested itself from the burning bush. That's used in, in church history as a way of describing a soul given over to God, a soul in whom the Holy Spirit, who is the fire of God, dwells within, that you can, why not, as one of the Desert Fathers said, why not become fire? Why not become fire? And so I'm going to encourage you to consider that. You want to make a bold prayer? Holy Spirit, make me fire. Holy Spirit, make me fire after the manner of the burning bush. I want to be consumed without destroyed by you, O Holy Spirit, O fire of God. Consume me, O fire of God, with the fire of your love that you and your holy presence would radiate forth from me as a divine fire, as after the manner of St. Seraphim of Saraf. I have prayed to St. Seraphim of Saraf for decades. Pray for me. Pray that I'd become fire. Pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would would come alive in me. Pray that I would become a burning bush of the definitive theophany. I'm not the burning bush of the definitive theophany. That's the Blessed Mother. But what the Blessed Mother does in an exemplary fashion, as a perfect model, we also participate in. That's the theological principle in our church's history. What Mary does in a perfect way, what she models for us in an exemplary fashion, we can mimic, we can share in, we can imitate in our own manner. And so I look at like St. Philip Neri, the ball of fire enters his chest. I look at St. Seraphim of Saroff and I see two amazing saints that I turn to. And there are others there are others who have not quite as um, like powerful uh, stories, but also had deep devotion to the Holy Spirit that I've called upon for years and even decades to say, please pray for me. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit to make me fire, to set me on fire so that I I don't think I'm going to say to people, look me in the eyes, right? (laughs) The flames of God will shine forth from uh, from my eyes. But what St. Seraphim of Saroth was able to uh, manifest in that encounter that the disciple recounted is a powerful uh, reminder, example, uh, model for us to at least ponder and say, look what the Lord is is willing to do when you have a call, a mission that is also responded to, is corresponded to by the faithful believer who courageously, generously gives himself over to that call. I, I don't have a chance to really get into it today, but did you hear about this nun that was a, um, a religious sister uh, that uh, died, I think, just five years ago. And uh, her body was recently exhumed and come to find out she was incorrupt. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit more digging 
Sorry, that was kind of funny. I'm going to do a little bit more research into that and um, hopefully talk about it tomorrow with Kerry on a Faith and Family Friday edition. Uh, my kids were talking about it at dinner time tonight, and they were contrasting the demonic, blasphemous uh, uh, transvestites in uh, Los Angeles who attended the Dodgers game or there was some drama around that and they just blasphemously dress in scandalous ways that are supposed to mimic nuns. And it's as if the Lord is saying, oh yeah, I'll watch what I'm going to do. Let me show you a sister who lived for me and I will, di- I will put on display, I will make known in the world today uh, a holy, radiant example of life over death, life out of death, a new life that comes from honoring the Lord as a woman of God and standing against demonic ideologies uh, that are found laced through the transgender movement that are destroying the innocence, destroying the lives of so many and leading so many others into depressive, anxiety, self-harming conditions, and we stand on the sidelines. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we need the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need St. Seraphim of Saroff. Come on, pray for us. Let's go. Pray for us, St. Seraphim of Saroff, that we would uh, become fire, that we would become like the burning bush. Come on, join me in that prayer. Let's pray that the Lord would make us like the burning bush. And, and then begin to watch what the Lord does. Get ready. There's going to be a lot of humbling, a lot of purifying, a lot of cleansing of the vessel. There might be a need for lots of vigiling, uh, lots of fasting and penance to get rid of the obstacles, to help cleanse those vessels, to correspond to what the Lord is doing. But it's the work of the Lord. It's the work of the Lord. We're following after him. Let's follow after him with the spirit of St. Philip Neri and the spirit of St. Seraphim of Saroff in this time of vigiling. All right, I'm at the end of my program. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.